for the last five, six years, there has been this pervasive idea that the Vikings are at this crossroads between staying competitive and tearing it all down for some kind of tank. And they've never really taken that crossroads. And they've kind of just came out and explained why. So let's talk about it on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like that on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find Locked On Vikings wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio platform or YouTube or Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And a special shout out to those of you who do listen every single day. Appreciate you all a lot. Um... Today is Twitter Tuesday, which means I'm taking your questions. If you have questions for me, you can send them at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can uh, send them to me via email at LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also fill out the Google form in the show notes or leave a YouTube comment if you want. I'll find it there as well. The first question I'm going to take today comes from Dinesh Kalyana Sundar, who asks, uh, can you talk about how we are setting ourselves up for 2024? If we went 8-9 and nine and missed the playoffs, would you tear it up for 2025 and later? Okay. So this is what I was getting at in the cold open. And uh, there was a Monday morning quarterback that came out on Monday. Of course, Albert Breer's doing that. Uh, he did a sit down with Kevin O'Connell. So big, long feature on the Vikings and the Monday morning quarterback at Sports Illustrated, if you're into that. Um, and that was like a really big topic of conversation was this sort of tug of war between like, you know, tearing down for the future, but also like trying to keep things competitive now. And these things that are seen to be as diametrically opposed if you if you have listened to Quasi talk about this ever once, and he has answered this question so many times, he is they, they've been very clear that their goal here and what they are building is like they're building to something, and it's something substantive. The like the question is not are they trying to build a, a, a team that wins games eventually? Like, oh my god, no, actually, uh no. The Vikings, they don't really want to win games like later. Like they're just gonna kind of they're really like too afraid to go more than like eight and nine. Like if they really, if they get past the wild card round, that's like scary territory, right? Everybody's watching those games at that point and you really can't get away with some of the things you get away. So really they're just like good with the middle. They're just chilling. Like how stupid do you think these guys are? Um, they want to build a team that they think is a, is a contender. And what, what are the values of a contending team? Right? Well, we can argue about that till we're blue in the face. Um, but one of the things that they mentioned in that article was about the locker room and the sort of community that was here and established when Quasi and O'Connell got here. They really liked that. And they wanted to preserve that. And so the, the strategy here is forget the dichotomy of win now and win later, right? Like, leave that. Take that, tear it up, throw it in the trash, okay? Think more substantively. Think away from spectrums and binaries. They are trying to transition to something that solves the problems that they inherited, which was like a top-heavy roster, guys were getting old, all that stuff, right? They wanted to transition out of that, but they wanted to keep what made the Vikings good. Now, to me, that makes perfect sense and raises no follow-up questions. I have no notes, and I get it. But it feels like because it requires you to think outside of a binary, it just breaks a bunch of people's brains. And it drives me nuts, because I don't think that that's that in 
uh, difficult of a concept. I'm not coming at you, Dinesh, by the way. I love the questions that you ask, and thank you so much for listening. But in, like, it's a pretty genuine thing, and it's pretty clear that that's what the Vikings are trying to do. They're trying to build to something. Now, what that plan is, I think that's more of an O'Connell question. Um, and his answer to that is, I mean, yeah, the locker room stuff is really important. The, you know, McVay-Shanahan offense stuff, we've talked a ton about how that influences guys like, you know, decisions like drafting Ed Ingram or Jordan Addison, how it influences their use of like Justin Jefferson and all that stuff, what they do at quarterback and all that. Um, I think that big influence on picking Jaron Hall, for example. And on defense, I think they're going to try to build something a little more aggressive. I think they're going to try to stick in this Belichick-Flores tree, even if Brian Flores does go get a head coaching job later. I think they'll probably pick from the same tree, maybe even pick from Flores's staff, maybe uh, to get whoever the next defensive coordinator is. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but the, to the follow-up of would you tear it up for 2025 and later, um, I, I don't know how long you've been listening to this show, but the answer is an emphatic no. Uh, never tear it up. I, I don't think that that really ever works. You're just digging yourself into a hole you have to dig out of. The way I see it is like the tear up the roster thing. It's like if you had a garage full of cars and you were kind of sick of those cars, so you sold those cars and you bought new cars, you kind of, did you really come out plus value? For, like, look, if you sold a car for $800,000, a really nice car, $800,000 car, and then you got a car of comparable value, but through shrewd negotiating, you only paid 600000 for it, you came ahead, that's awesome. And if you can do that, for example, uh, the, the idea would be like cutting Eric Kendricks and then being really, really excited about Brian Osamoa. If you can get the same level of play that you were getting out of Eric Kendricks out of Brian Osamoa, but now for a lot cheaper and you only spent a third round pick on that, then okay, great. You came out ahead. We love that. Um, but the idea of just selling all your cars and being like, look at all the money I have now isn't actually like generating value. You're just liquidating and unliquidating. There is a perfect one-to-one -one correlation between the amount of players you get rid of for assets and the amount of players you have to replace. <laughs> and if you can't get ahead in those transactions, you shouldn't do them. And you should only do them in the case that you feel like you can get ahead in them. Moving on. Next one comes from Salvador Estrada, who says, what would be a successful season for the Minnesota Vikings in your eyes? Is it Super Bowl or bust? Um, I'm just going to actually go to the next one, which I think answers this pretty well, which is, do you feel like fans would appreciate fandom a bit more if they let go of the Super Bowl expectations and just enjoy the team for what it is? <laughs> the just one before we die thing feels reductive to me. This whole thing reminds me of uh, a John Boyce video from many, many years ago um, about March Madness. And I think it says like the, and the call it, it's like a loser factory or something like that was in the title. You can still find it on YouTube. It's like eight minutes long. I'll link it in the show notes if I remember. Um, and it's about how, you know, because of the size of the tournament, there are 64 teams that enter that tournament, 68, if you want to count the play in and 63 or 67, I guess, of those teams go home as losers. One goes home as a winner. And so many teams in the tournament have never even sniffed the end of it. I mean, so many teams, it's like it's like a pipe dream for like Crichton to get into the Elite Eight or the Final Four, right? You never see it. Um, or Creighton got onto the Elite Eight or, or went far this year, didn't they? You know, there's like some of these schools are just kind of happy to be there. Um, and I think it's harder with that in the NFL because the tournament isn't as big, right? It's just 14 teams and it was 12 teams before that, not 64. But you still like 14 teams go to the playoffs. 
13 of them go home as losers. Um, and I think if we want to say, what does a successful season look like? Well, I think I have to ask the follow-up question is to what end? If all you're asking is, did they win the Super Bowl? Yes or no. And that's the only way to be a successful season. Okay. But if you're asking, how can we use this season as a barometer for the direction of the Vikings? Then you could say, hey, look, if they win the division again, if they win a playoff game, if they really like kind of prove that they belong among the upper echelons of the NFC, then they're probably on a good track and they should stay on that track. But I think we can even cut out the middleman there and say, do we feel like they're on a good track at the end of the season? I don't know how you measure that. We'll measure that at the end of the season. We don't need to like come up with our standards ahead of time. We'll say, hey, do we feel like they're on a good track or not? And what's working, what isn't? And let's fix what isn't working and let's stick with what is. We don't need to like make these rigidly defined standards ahead of time and then be like, well, but we said they had to win 12 games and they won 11 and they won the division and they won the Super Bowl, but we said 12 games. Like, you know. We're not going to get there, right? I have a whole bunch more questions that I want to make sure that I get to, uh, get to as many as I can. Uh, but first things first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is a delicious combination of 100% chocolate, but also not throwing your entire day off. This has been very clutch for me. I've been trying to watch my calories lately, and a Built Bar only has like 130 calories, maybe 170 if you get one of the particularly indulgent flavors. Like, that's as high as it goes. Uh, like, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, that's the one that I have been housing. 170 a pop. It's totally not going to ruin your day. Even if you wake up at midnight with a chocolatey craving and you have absolutely no willpower like the weak man that I am. <laughs> like, 17 grams of protein, like 4 grams of sugar. Awesome. And now you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club. You can get like a four pack of like specialty flavors, or you can still just order whatever you want on built.com and get it delivered right to your door, whichever you prefer. Once again, that is built.com. You can thank me later. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast. Cardboard John Bob asks, how do we feel about Addison? Oh boy, how glad am I that you asked, Cardboard John Bob. Uh, because I have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash NFL, where I have an in-depth a film review of Jordan Addison that tells you exactly my feelings. Um, the short reductive answer is, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I think there's a lot to be excited about there. Uh, if you want to worry about his size, I think there's validity to that. And uh, I can kind of show you what that looks like as well. So you can say more than, well, small receivers tend to struggle. But how? What does that mean? Wh what struggles does that lead to? And how do you overcome them? I think those are all good questions to, answer, to, to ask. And I think that film review really addresses them a lot better than I'll be able to get into on, on a podcast. So let me point you over to that. And it's also free to watch. So you can just click right down to it. But I would appreciate it if you joined it anyways. Uh, so we've got a run on wide receiver questions here. C. Woodbury asks, not sure what to think about KJ Osborne. Is he talented enough to have played well as the number two if Addison was not drafted? Conversely, is he overpaid at 2.8 mil as an easily replaceable number three? Um... I don't think you can get a number three for three million. Uh, three million is not what it used to be. Three million is kicker money. Uh, not it's like barely kicker money. Like that's three million for a, a wide receiver. Three would be a coup. I think there's a really really big gap between what you can expect for a three million dollar wide receiver uh, and KJ Osborne. Could he have been the number two if it weren't for Addison? I don't think it would have been the worst. Um, but I, I think going into the draft, we all kind of understood that it would be preferable if they had another person at least competing for that job. And I think that that is appropriate. I think K.J. Osborne has earned the opportunity to compete for it, but he has not earned a decision to get it. And he also hasn't earned a decision to to be barred from it, right? Um, 
I think Addison and KJ Osborne have very different skill sets, and those skill sets will be used in this offense uh, in different ways, right? I, I think you'll see KJ Osborne, if I had to guess, you'll see KJ Osborne out in 12 personnel a little bit more. And then when you get 11 personnel, you'll see Jordan Addison perhaps get more usage, be earlier in the progressions, perhaps be above him, Osborne, on the quote unquote depth chart there. Uh, but when we're rotating a guy off and it's 12 personnel and we're running a lot more, I kind of want the better blocker out there. That's the way that I see this playing out right now. But this will all get decided way more in camp. I mean, Jordan Addison could struggle out the gate and then maybe Osborne gets everything or maybe Jordan Addison totally explodes and Osborne sort of gets pushed aside because we've got this great duo now. A lot of stuff can happen in camp, and that's what decides this. Dell Henderson asks Naylor for wide receiver four. Boy, howdy, uh, that kind of already happened. Um, the OTA depth chart appears to reflect that already. Naylor ahead of Rager um, and nobody else on that team. You're not going to have Tristan Jackson above them. But Naylor has been getting more of the reps as like wide receiver two. Uh, OTAs didn't have Justin Jefferson. We talked about that. And Jordan Addison was on the sideline with, with something undisclosed. We didn't know what it was. So with those two guys out, Osborne and Naylor were the two guys a lot of the time, and Rager would come in in 11 personnel. So uh, yeah, that appears to be where the pole position is right now. And then, of course, long way to go in camp, right? Guys got to stay healthy. Guys got to keep their jobs. Fights long from over. We just finished the first drive in the first quarter, right? Uh, Cooper Max says, do you think Jay Ward will play a Jaron Curse type role in the future? I don't see it as a Jaron Curse role. I think Jaron Curse played a little bit more of a straight up safety role, but uh, Jay Ward to me is an apex, which is like nickel corner or linebacker or safety, depending on whatever the, the offensive alignment is. Um, but that is a lot of covering tight ends and a lot of covering slot receivers and a lot of covering running backs. Um, that is the role I think he'll play. I have a more in-depth thing on Jay Ward coming up, so I'll sort of put a pin in that for now, uh, but that's kind of where I'm at on that. I don't think that comparing him to Jaron Curse just because they're both versatile D-backs is necessarily going to get you to the right answer. You've categorized it a little bit, but it's still, like I think, a little bit too vague of a categorization to really appreciate the differences between the two. But again, pin in that. Uh, David Whitting asks, which position coach on the Vikings will be the next head coach? Um, that is a very interesting question. I assume I'm not allowed to say either coordinator because then it would definitely be Brian Flores. And if it's not Brian Flores, it would probably be Wes Phillips who has like, you know, the the Wade Phillips thing. And he also could be the coordinator of a successful offense. I think a, a very easy thing to do without just even looking at who any of these people are would be to go with Chris O'Hara just as the quarterback's coach. There tends to be a pipeline there. Um, but I could see a nod going to somebody like Keenan McCardell who wants to be a head coach someday. Uh, and you know, he's a very hot name and he even went through like the, the DEI program at the owner's meeting that Matt Daniels also went through. Um, Matt Daniels also, I'm going to guess is off limits for this. So I guess Keenan McCardell would be the fun answer. Chris O'Hara would be the, let's just go with the guy that's in the pipeline answer. Um, Zach asks, at what point does a young ish coach break away from having the disciple tag eg flores is a belichick disciple and they just have their own scheme i don't think you ever do i don't think you ever have to because i don't think being a disciple I, I like it's not saying that this guy isn't his own coach or anything like that but i think it's a good shorthand to like get people to understand what we're looking at here you know what what kind of thing are we running like jonathan gannon runs a Velfangio scheme for the cardinals the Fangio scheme comes with certain ideas. There's a lot of zone match coverage. There should be a lot of blitzes. We didn't get that on our version, so that kind of sucked. 
Uh, but there should be like certain exotic blitzes that come off of that. There's a certain way it disguises coverages. Like it means things. That doesn't mean it's the exact same offense, but it's a style. It's in the family. That's usually what I use that as like a shorthand for. Um, boy, do I have a whole bunch more questions. I'm going to have to uh, fly through them, but I do want to get to as many of them as possible. So let's uh, let's kick this thing into overdrive, I guess. Continuing on with this uh, Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. The next one comes from Kawabunga Kev, who says, what does fun even feel like, really? Uh, okay, welfare check on Kawabunga Kev. I'm not hearing lots of Kawa or Bunga from that, I don't, in that tone. Um, but here's the deal. Hashtag find your joy. That's, I, I say this a lot, but I think it's a good time in the offseason to reflect. Uh, theoretically, if you are listening to a Vikings podcast in May, you like football. You enjoy watching football. Why do you enjoy watching football? Like, really, just look in the mirror. Answer that question. No wrong answers, but answer it. What, what is it? For me, I love the academic part of it. I love learning it. I love the, the strategy and the technique, and I, and I love how much there is to learn, how deep of a sport it is. There, there is always so much more to learn. It feels like I'm, I'm zooming in on a fractal. It's amazing. For some people, it's the competitive. It's the, the trash talk aspect. It's being able, you know, you've got your annoying uncle who's a Packers fan and you can kind of talk smack to him all the time. That's the deal for some people. Some people just think it's exciting to watch, see who's going to win. It will be interesting to see who will win, right? <laughs> the, the, the John Boyce thing. Uh, find your joy. And that is why you may have noticed at the beginning of the show, I have changed the way that I'm going to be introing the show now. The kid you copied off in math class is dead. Math class is over. I, I for a while, have not felt like that really encompasses what this show is anymore. It's not really, I used to talk about like analytics a lot and used to kind of take a very like numerical perspective to things. So the math class thing really felt like that. Um, and you know, the kid you copied off people started taking that as like me declaring some sort of expertise when really it was always meant to say, well, I'm not the teacher. I'm a, a student along with you and you can copy the homework. Like that was always the point, but people seem to be taking it a little more literally as the, the show has grown. And I think I wanted something a little bit more true to who I have become as, as I have grown. Uh, and I think that that hashtag find your joy is something that's been a real through line of this show. So uh, we're going to take that for a test drive. Maybe we'll come up with a different slogan if we don't end up not liking it. Uh, but fun, what fun feels like, man, that's a you question. Can't answer it for you. Uh, Jojo P, who is a Steelers fan, I assume, by the Avi, says, what did you think of Chandon Sullivan as a DB? Okay, so if you are wondering about Chandon Sullivan, I actually went on Locked On Steelers and gave Christopher Carter a quick rundown, so you can check that out. But I'll give you the one-sentence version, which is, if he is anointed as an uncontested starter, you're in trouble. He was kind of a marked man. He was the uncontested starter for us, and it was a massive, I would say, underrated problem on the defense. A, a lot of guff went to uh, Eric Kendricks and the safeties and the corners, uh, like the, the outside corners, you know, Cameron Dantzler and stuff. And I think the problems with Shannon Sullivan got lost in that shuffle, but they were definitely significant. Uh, I do not trust him in one-on-one -on -one man coverage. That's a problem for slot. Jack says, if you could have any two players from the 2004 Vikings to add to this team, who would they be and why? Only caveat is you can't pick Randy. Okay, I figured that would be the caveat because that wouldn't be any fun. Pulling up the starters, um, boy, to add to this team, like Bryant McKinney would be a great one, but we have two tackles I feel pretty good about, and I feel like I can do better. Antoine Winfield is a really easy one. Um, just give me a good corner, Antoine Winfield. I, I, I truly think he should be in the Hall of Fame. That is absolutely a homer take, and I don't care that it's a homer take. Arrest me, <laughs> and I will go to jail with a smile on my face. 
Um, so I'll put Antoine Winfield in easy. EJ Henderson's a really interesting name there. Kevin Williams probably is the guy. Um, he like actually was an all pro all the time. Matt Burke would be an interesting name as well. I think I'm going to go with Kevin Williams, though. Kevin Williams and Antoine Winfield really shore up the, the front end and the back end of the defense. And then another very interesting one from Jake Bieber. Uh, if you could combine two Vikings depth players to make one starter, I love the Cronenberg imagery. Uh, who would they be and what position would they play? Like, they're coming out with, like, three arms. Like, come on, we're not that good at, at stem cells yet. <laughs> so two depth players combined into one starter. I probably don't want to go with like different positions, right? I don't want to be like, you know, Jalen Naylor plus a defensive end, you know, plus DJ Wanham. Cause that would sort of get like, you get like a guy that's too small to play a position and also a little too slow for this. Like if I want like a, a, a DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones, I'm going to give you, um, I think that Wanham gives you a quickness and Patrick Jones gives you a stoutness that I think together they create a, a quality edge rusher that could be a um that and they really like cover each other's flaws uh very interestingly um that's also interesting like who counts as a depth player i would love to staple Oli udo's athleticism onto austin schlotman's technique is that a weird one that would i don't know what position that guy would play it would be something on the offensive line. And I think it could create, that's another two guys that like, I think cover each other's weaknesses really well, which I think is kind of what you're driving at here. Uh, Holly Lou asks last year in the third quarter, the Vikings ranked 31st in time of possession, 30 in scoring defense, 22nd in scoring average. To what extent do you anticipate our third quarter woes to be solved by a more aggressive defense and a focus on sustaining drives? So here's the thing. I think that that is a coincidence. I think that that is just, weird splits. I don't think that there's anything in particular about the third quarter that doesn't also apply to the, the second or the first quarter, except for like, um, you know, like the very first drive and the very last drive of the half or the very last drive, like the first half of the fourth quarter, I think pretty much plays out like the third quarter dynamically. I think that this is mostly just coincidence and our brains are trained to find patterns even where there are none. So, I, I think variants will will turn that around. And maybe third quarters will be great next year and they'll be bad at second quarters. Like, it's kind of just how it goes. Uh, Seth Toops asks, Logan Roy equals Red McCombs. Um, succession finale happened this weekend. I don't think that that's a great comp because, um, A, Logan Roy was not cheap. I mean, he was willing the whole time, throughout the whole, but succession spoilers, by the way. Um, the, the whole show, Logan Roy, was uh, ready to spend out the wazoo to acquire uh, Pierce, the other TV network. Um, he was, I think, a lot less of a progressive force, right? He was like, the, the whole point of it was that he was kind of a dinosaur. And Red McCombs took a lot of the stodgy dinosaurness out of the Vikings. He brought energy back to the Vikings and kind of was a shot in the arm when he got there. We remember him now for being cheap, but when he got there, he was a shot in the arm. And I don't think you could ever say that about Logan Roy. I think a better comp would be like Al Davis. I thought about this. Um, Al Davis, also a very progressive force in the, like the NFL, but by the end, you know, he was kind of a dinosaur. He sat on the, on the throne for like until I think basically the day he died. Right. Um, and then his fail son took over and things are going bad. <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit too mean. Uh, and I don't want to spoil the end of succession for people who haven't watched it. So I won't go any further there. 
Uh, Big Rich says, how is Jaron Hall progressing? Do you regret us not getting Hooker in the second? All right, Big Rich, if you know my Hooker take and you're asking me this anyways, I swear to God, I will find your address. Uh, I was a huge Hooker hater throughout the entire draft process. I don't think that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And now that he's landed on the Lions, who are enamored with Jared Goff, I don't think he's going to ever be expected to be a starter in the NFL, which is wild for them to do in the second round. One of many gripes I have with their draft. Uh, how is Jaron Hall progressing? I don't know, man. They've had like six seconds of practice. What, they're, they're like three OTAs in or something like that? Like, I, I have no idea how Jaron Hall is progressing. We'll have to see that a little bit more in camp. OTAs aren't really going to give you a great evaluative sense. Uh, Chris says, pay being equal. If you had your choice, would you rather be in, on an NFL coaching staff, front office staff, or on part of an NFL broadcast? If I were actually to work in the NFL... I would probably either be in the graphics truck on TV, like working as part of like behind the scenes for Fox. I have a little bit of experience doing uh, that for high school broadcasts. Or I would do uh, cut-ups, film cut-ups, like as a QA assistant, like a quality control assistant for a coaching staff. That would, I guess, count as coaching staff, but it would be like, hey, cut up the Eagles on third downs when they blitz. And I would be able to do that, right? Like I at least know enough to do that. And I'm very, very quick on an editing software. So I can actually make those cutups pretty fast and that could be valuable. That's always the thing that I would say. And the job that I think I could do now in the dream of dream of dreams, would I rather be like a head coach, a GM or a broadcaster or whatever? I think I would like to be a coach, but not a head coach. I think that's what I like. I would like to work with people and help improve them. That's, I think the thing that resonates the most with me personally, and I don't really care what level that's at. Uh, Nolan Nelson says, will the offensive line improve from last year? O'Neal might not be ready to go right away. Darissa has his injury issues that could ruin his season. That that's just concussions, by the way. Um, that's, and, and I mean, yeah, concussions are definitely concerning and he had a couple last year, so you have to watch that, but he does have a new helmet. So maybe there's that, uh, but will Bradbury be able to build on last year's success? Are you confident in the guards improving? Okay. So that's way too long a thing for where we're already kind of bumping up on time here. Uh, but what I will say is, um, stay tuned. For future episodes, uh, I'm going to attack a lot of this stuff uh, very soon with the offensive line um, and and also on, on my Patreon page. So check that out. Stay tuned for some of this stuff. We'll see what happens for uh, the rest of this week. That might be some of that. Um, I, I want to do one on Ed Ingram. We haven't really looked deep on Ed Ingram, really. Uh, so we'll do that soon. I will see you all for that tomorrow, whatever it is. And as always, skull.